0: After three months of not getting your hair cut everybody just wanted to go there because if you would have known from the beginning everything that comes and follows with the choice that you take and, and the challenges that come with it maybe you would just have said hey should i really go that way or just uh, take another easier way and when you look back you, you actually yeah, you, you actually had no idea but you somehow <laughs> uh, you somehow learned it uh, along the way Try and be ambitious, because if you don't even strive for something big, then you most certainly don't end up there, right? If you just think small all the time, you probably end up at a place that is something small.
1: If you live in Luxembourg, you have most definitely heard of SalonKey, the app that offers to book a hair appointment or treatment in a specialized salon in just a few clicks. In today's episode, I got to sit down with the CEO and co-founder of the fast-growing startup Tom Michels. He's a fascinating entrepreneur, driven to serve his clients and create a healthy, asshole-free company culture for his employees. This one is definitely one of my favorite conversations I've had the privilege to record so far. As I was trying to understand Tom, the CEO and entrepreneur, I got to understand Tom, the human being, driven by values, service, solve problems and embrace challenges. He's simply trying to figure stuff out, learn from those experiences and grow with them. I guess just like all of us. So without further ado, my name is Kevin Fernandez. Welcome to Muse. I usually start the podcasts by trying to understand the person and I usually go most of the times in the early stages of, well, your life in that case. So I would love to kind of dig deep or dig down into your early ages. Tell me a little bit about yourself, the young Tom Michels,
0: The young Tom, okay. I'm not sure if it's that exciting but let let's see born and raised in luxembourg i went to high school here in luxembourg then i studied in germany on um, computer science and business did some uh, a semester abroad in the states and then basically yeah after after university sort of had it straight uh, entrepreneurship mhm um about yeah my young younger self i'm not Sure. What interesting things I could. uh, So, have you have you ever thought where this
1: entrepreneurial spirit came from, or where where the the um, the interest in tech in tech came and informatics, because that is what you went on to study.
0: I I wouldn't say that it was clear from from day one. If I look back, I think as a child I liked to build things, play with with Lego and things like that. But then still. Even during high school, I wasn't really sure what to do, where to go. I was thinking about uh, engineering or things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a bit by chance that I discovered that uh, 12th grade uh, computer science. And it was also sort of that building something from scratch because you sort of start with an empty sheet, no code on it, right? And you can basically build a bit, whatever you want. That then, I yeah, it really I really enjoyed it. Uh, it came rather e- easy to me compared to other uh, topics or other uh, subjects in school, and so I felt okay. Um, if this comes easier to you than other topics, maybe that's what what you should pursue. But before that, it wasn't really clear to me that this is maybe something that I would like to do later on.
1: And how, how about the entrepreneurial mind and mindset? Did you do you rec- recognize that? somewhere within like your environment your parents or is it just simply that you liked
0: to do lego i think <laughs> as a child maybe it wasn't really that clear uh, entrepreneurship wasn't really that on my mind mm-hmm. uh, just was a bit yeah like running around didn't really know where where to go what to do and then i think over the course of of, of high school uh, that i don't really know where it's come from it sort of was like okay yeah Talking with some some friends, a good friend of mine, okay, we, at one day, maybe we want to create a business. We mm-hmm. don't know what it will be, but we would want to do that one day. And then over time, yeah, university, I think I, I had a bit that curiosity to see what, what stuff can be done. Trying to find classes that would actually also interest me and not just take the ones where you get best grades because in germany right you can pick a lot of classes yourself okay the some they choose the ones that are the easiest to get good grades (laughs) but you can also choose some that are maybe just more of your interest so i was really Mm -hmm. trying to find something that 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 i like and then over time which was also nice that on on university this whole uh, entrepreneurship started up creating something topic came up more and more and there were things that you could sort of get to get more information and I, I enjoyed that and then it was more by by chance sort of that we faced a, a problem or a problem and then and, and yeah at the, in, in personal life that the need to say okay why can you not book certain things online and then basically straight out of university we said hey let's just build that because it doesn't seem to exist yet mm-hmm.
1: so you, you said
0: uh one thing that I'm, I'm very curious about
1: you said that entrepreneurship and you correct me if i'm wrong became a little bit
0: more mainstream because you could research more things yeah i i guess the topic by itself became a bit more popular over over the years and when i was at university than maybe when i was at high school or maybe i was just also not not aware of it that much but i felt like the environment around me was also getting more or talking more about it and and it sort of yeah opened a bit my my view on on what else is is outside of just uh, school and, and regular classes. During my studies, at least at the beginning, I thought more about getting into the consultancy sort of business, like consultancy in the sense it would be a mix between then computer science and business, Mm -hmm. because I I liked a bit uh, mixing those two worlds, not just coding from the morning to the evening, although I I also like to code. But that mix, I I found it interesting that you can sort of apply that also to the business world. Mm -hmm. And I think that was something that proved also valuable later on, because then... You can a bit understand both worlds. Uh, if, if you then uh, uh, start a, a company, you can understand the business part, but you can also manage on the tech side.
1: Mm-hmm. So you said you found a problem. You
0: found a problem and...
1: Well, I'll let you tell me the story. You found a problem. How, how did it come from finding a problem to then thinking about it and then it became a tangible a tangible thing because you did not have any work experience as of what i know and you went straight from university to well creating a company yeah so what's the
0: thought process there yeah i mean so during university then this this entrepreneurship and startup became more and more it like, became more and more interesting for me and and, and then at some point, uh, the, the problem, it's maybe, it's maybe a first world problem, but <laughs> what we sort of find that okay, why do you have to call to book a hairdresser appointment? That was basically, why can you not book your barbershop online? That's, mm-hmm. that's sort of how it all started, right? you at university, you do every everything online, you buy stuff on, on Amazon, uh, you buy your pizza online, whatever it is online. And here I was, I uh, so, okay, why do I still have to call to get my appointment? That seems quite old school, and why is there no solution to that? Um, so that's how it all started, and then we are okay, why don't we just develop something ourselves? So I was talking to, with a couple of friends, and then since I also had then a bit of IT background, I sort of had a, a rough idea, okay, uh, we could just start coding, and then we'll see where it goes, right? Mm-hmm. And then we very quickly also said, okay, but none of us really is from that industry, right? We don't have any, any addresses in our founding team or anything. We just said, okay, we have no idea how their business actually works. We just know from the consumer side that you want to search for salons, you want to maybe see their services, and you want to book it in a couple of clicks. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's sort of how, how it all started.
1: So you've, you founded this with another four people, did everyone go all in? Did everyone straight away went into the project all in, or how was how was like the whole process of like okay, this is an idea, um, starting coding. What was like the the time frame and not like the nitty gritty details, but because I believe I, I mean like you tell me if I'm wrong, but I've been in this entrepreneurship route myself for a year and it's not that easy. <laughs> So, how how was the thought process in regards to okay, I have this idea. I'm trying to code something. One was the moment where you said, okay, this is something that could go right. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I think, I mean, it was at the last year of my uh, master studies where we sort of had that idea more concretely, and we really decided, okay, let's go for it. So how how did it look like concrete uh, in concrete ways? Meaning. I finished my studies. Uh, we were already coding a bit on on, on the side uh, on that project. Uh, so when I w- should have been writing my master thesis, I was <laughs> basically <laughs> working on on other stuff. But still, it, it worked out well at the end. Um, but then, indeed, as five co-founders, are like, hey, how how do we do it? Not every co-founder uh, knows how to code, mm-hmm. um, and it's tough to sell something if you don't even have maybe a basic prototype, right? So everybody who could code, which was basically me and then our CTO, uh, who was studying with me together, we said, okay, we will code it. We will try to get a first prototype out. Uh, We will try to talk to to salons to understand their needs and see how it also works, not just on the consumer side, but on, on the business side, because both have to be interconnected. And then the the other uh the others were more like okay let's see where it goes we can help wherever we can but we cannot uh, sell or do anything else unless there's some initial uh, sort of prototype that we we can go to with uh, go to salons with mm-hmm. right so at the end of then my studies we were still working a bit on the prototype we were talking to some salons and I was like okay either get a job now and this whole thing takes more time. I do it on the side, right? I work my, my nine to five. And then when I come home, I still code a bit. Or I would just say, I go sort of all in, even though, of course, you have uh, some, some security or cushion to fall back on. But I, I say, okay, I, I just do it full time. And let's see where it goes, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the nice thing of doing it immediately after university is that you don't have that many obligations. You are maybe also used to live on a tighter budget, you haven't had any big salary yet, you don't have any big um loan maybe to pay back, right? Yeah. So you just say, okay, let's let's see where it goes. You have some some savings that you can live on for a couple months. And then you just see what happens. And that's a bit how, how it went. So the others got some jobs and they said, I I'm taking a job now, but I plan to go also full time as soon as I can. And then over time we we build up a first product, we sold it to the first salons. Um and then we said, OK, it's, it's working, but, you know, you have to get some quantity to really say you can live off it or really get bigger traction. So actually on the side, then we were selling websites as a completely different kind of company. We had a second web agency. Uh, we were selling websites to sort of keep us afloat while we were growing a salon key actually. And then there was that one point where I said, OK, now I think we proved that what we are doing uh, works and there's a market for it. And that's where we also said, okay, let's go and, and raise some funds to really make it big, because that's what really helps accelerate—is that we have more sales on the ground, and to have more sales, you need some, or you need more money, unless you would say you grow it organically, but then it's, it's just slower, right? Mm-hmm. And that's so. In, in January two thousand nineteen, we said, okay, let's go raise some funds, uh, let's go outside of Luxembourg, uh, let's accelerate in Luxembourg, and let's really try and, and make it as big uh, as it can get.
1: Did you have? any doubts that it wouldn't work?
0: Yeah, I mean, at the beginning, you don't, you don't know, right? And that was really also, we were not even talking about a company in the beginning. It was just a project. And let's see where it goes. I mean, you don't, you don't know when, I think you cannot say, I, I know it for sure, because uh, you start and, and you'll see you have to figure stuff out. So, of course, you're like, hey, let's, let's try and let's see, let's see what happens. And then uh, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try it for six months and then after that uh, I'll see if I sort of make a cut or I keep going. And, and after six months, that was a year at the end, then it was two years. And then, okay, and sort of at, at some point you, you say, okay, this is what I, I want to do and keep doing.
1: You took the approach, okay, six months, then it turned out into a year. So it was working probably also because like you, you were selling websites on the site. I guess that was you and your CTO? Uh,
0: no, it was actually one of our third co-founders. So okay. he was not really... Coding, but he was sort of building up WordPress websites and things like that, right? So it was enough to to sort of help randomly small businesses get a website, get online, and so we built that on the side. And so see, he was then helping with that while CTO was coding. I was coding a bit, and he was selling some websites. And we scrambled it together. Do do you or do, do you ever have
1: any kind of like doubts or like how did you manage? I, I feel like entrepreneurship is a lot like a game with oneself like with your own mind and yes we can work towards a project we can work towards our kpis our goals but there's always one person that can be the biggest obstacle to all of that which is ourselves our thoughts our anxiety i'm wondering if you have any of those kind of thoughts as a
0: person and as a ceo now I would say, I mean, it's indeed a lot I think the mindset is 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 key um and and you sort of have to just a bit i think blindly believe in what you do to mm. keep going. You don't know where it will end up, but I think if if you are too pessimistic about things, you probably end up maybe not pursuing things and just uh, trying to to yeah to to take a safer route. But I guess as an entrepreneur, when you start a new thing, you have to take risks. You don't know where you're going. And you just have to believe that it will somehow work out at the end, right? You you don't really know. And there's always, of course, challenges and then maybe doubts about, okay, will this work or will this not work? But I think then that at least I try to say, okay, this is. It's like an experiment. You try it. It's not a doubt about then myself or personally that I say, okay, I, uh, how would I say Detached from like what is... Yeah, sort of. I mean, is this, I think that I have a, a, some base of belief that, okay, somehow we'll, we'll make it work. We'll try things. If they don't work, we'll try other things. Right. And then we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Maybe if everything fails or at the beginning is okay, you have some caution to fall back on and you can still get a job, right? Um, So I guess it's still a fortunate situation compared maybe to other people that, I don't know, grew up in a country that is poorer or that did not have the chance to get a university diploma or something like that. Whereas here it's like, okay, if that thing doesn't work, you can still do something else, right? It's not the end of the world. Of course, today it's different. The company is much bigger. We are close to 60 people now. So it's not an option more to say it didn't work and I do something else because you're sort of responsible for 60 people that that work together with you on on that project. But then, of course, yeah, everything else is a bit, I would say, a bit more stable in the sense when you start, you just don't know where you go. Today, you know, everything is a bit more predictable. Mm -hmm. But then still there's... A ton of things that you don't know when you try to figure out and then you do it along the way. I think you really have to embrace that that you don't know it and you'll just try uh learn from it.
1: Cool. That's that's called the growth mindset.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I, that's what startups are all about, right? Um is is also about growth and then it's I guess personal growth and growth of the business at the same time. Yeah. If i look back at the Tom of I don't know, three years ago. Uh, and today, I mean, with all the stuff that I didn't know that, that we figured out along the way, at the beginning, you just don't know. But then still, I think we started and then you learn you learn a lot along the way.
1: Would you say you changed as a person?
0: I think so. I hope in, in a good way. But mm-hmm. uh, I think, yeah, it, it really shapes you. You learn a lot of stuff. Um, I think my, my core character traits, I hope so, didn't change in a negative way, at least. <laughs> So I think that's the the same, but then everything else, business-related and and how to approach things, how to manage risks or whatever it would be, anxiety or challenges, all that, I think you you learn over time to to get better at those things by doing it, basically. Because I think it's hard to learn it just in theory. You just have to jump in, do it, and then you learn along the way. You have to embrace that you don't know and that it's fine and that you'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, and entrepreneurship is all about... Finding something, learning something, and applying it straight away. Yeah. And yeah. I like, I I think you said that as well in the interview with um House of Startups. House of Startups, that's the name. <laughs> House of Startups. Um that you learned way more in, in a year or two than at university. Yes, yes. And and I think it's also the fact that I, I don't think it's just goes with entrepreneurs, but also and I'm like I'm not saying university is shit or whatever, but the fact of just going to work like I did a finance degree investment degree and in one in six months of that that like that work I learned way more than in a year because as I was learning you are applying straight away and I think that's that's the beauty in whatever if you start out as an entrepreneur or you start out like as a a job whatever you do you will learn always learn learn more
0: yeah I mean I I I, I agree and and this that the one joke i always uh share with uh, one of my good friends that we say university it's like an Entry ticket to the working world, in a sense. But that's like when you're not at university, or when I was at, at uh, high school, you feel like, okay, wow, well, university will like I will learn so much, right? It will be so so easy to apply that knowledge somewhere else. But at the end, you leave university, and like, okay, that was five years, and did I really do? I really know that much more now than before. I think university shapes you in a sense that how do you independently maybe get your work done on your own, your own uh, how to connect maybe with other uh, uh, people, work mm-hmm. on projects. So all that, I think it helps you uh, shape your mind, think maybe about complex situations in a different way. But at least also for me personally, and even though I think computer science is quite practical, not always depends on the classes, but quite practical in some things, you learn it afterwards when you get a job so with the university for me i also wouldn't say it's it's crap but it's not that you say you you're smarter person because you've learned something at university i mean you learn it through experience i would say afterwards
1: Mm -hmm. do
0: you think that because i myself am
1: like i i know how to code my previous job experience um do you think that coding has helped you kind of shape how you think because there is this very specific way coders think right Mm -hmm. You can code anything, you have the ifs, you have the for loops, you have all these different things, yeah. and you have all these different classes, you organize it. So it's a very organized kind of skill to apply onto a program, and it's yeah. also, you are kind of always, as you said before, you are solving a problem every single time you code. So yeah. I, I'm wondering if that has
0: ever shaped you in the way you think. I haven't intentionally thought about it, but now that you say it, I think it. It might have because at the end when you code something, at least how I look at it, is like you start with a sort of big problem, and you cut it down into more and more detailed pieces, right? Because at the end, the program or what you code is basically very simple commands, but if you put them all together in the right way, it gets a very complex program, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think in the same uh, way, if you have a complex program or complex uh, problem, and then probably then unintentionally more than that say, Okay, what are the core problems? And you, you decompose into smaller pieces and then you you realize actually, okay, how can you solve it? Because it gets not the one big problem, but maybe a lot of smaller pieces that you can solve uh, independently. Mm-hmm. So I think that might help. But then on the other side, I would also say like coding is very unemotional, right? The computer just does what you tell it to do. Yeah, And I think that's a very, yeah, this, there's one skill set where you say, okay, I tell the computer what to do, he does it and you don't think about emotions. But then as soon as you go more to the people side of business, and if you create a business, it's not just you and a computer, but it's a lot of people around you. There I think then it's, it's a completely different skill set. The whole people, management, emotions that are involved, everything that comes with it, uh, coding doesn't really help you much. <laughs> so how are you as, in regards to those skills? I guess that's for my team to define. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I hope I'm doing. Uh, I serve them well. But uh, what kind of boss are you, if I ask you? Like fl- fl-
1: blunt, the first answer that comes into pa- into into your head. How if if you would look at yourself from a third eye perspective, how would you describe yourself as a boss? Because you had to learn yeah. all of that,
0: right? Yeah. I, I mean, I'd say I try to be quite reasonable and, and, and unemotionable, uh, uh, unemotionable about things that might trigger emotions. so I try to be very factual. Mm-hmm. Yet I try to really understand also the emotion of the other side. Um, if there would be conflict to solve or whatever, I think is always humans involved, so it's not just as if you would code, and if I say A, the person does A, or B does B right so. With humans, it's different. And yeah, I think, I mean, what I really don't like, and uh, it's part of our company culture, and I think everybody of our management uh, doesn't do it, is this sort of bossy, top-down attitude. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really something that you you don't see at at, at Salonki. And I think that's also something that our team enjoys and and like, Uh, and and it's a a young team and and they all look for some purpose, something to build and and join for a bigger mission and not just get a job uh, 9 to 5 and and leave, right? And so I think that's really what what drives everybody and it sort of also helps to not needing or being bossy because people like what they do and they want to contribute to to the bigger mission. Mm -hmm they find
1: quote-unquote purpose or like mission that they agree with?
0: I I hope so. I mean, we try to communicate it uh, quite clearly, although communication is also always something that uh, I know we, we can do better. And it, it gets more and more important the, the bigger you get. But we try to communicate our values very que- clearly uh, in every job interview, even before we have them on the website. Uh, what do we stand for? What? people do we want the company to join? How are the people that are working at that company? Can you identify with that? Uh, can you identify with the mission of what we want to do? And then hopefully uh, you can identify with that and it gives you some purpose. And that is more than just a regular job that you do to get a salary, but it is something that you really want to contribute to. And I think that in general, in, a, in maybe a startup environment is that you see your impact much faster than in a bigger corporation so if you have if you're one out of three thousand employees your impact is probably a lot smaller than if you're maybe one on 20 or one on 50 employees right and so uh, for the developers it's about uh shipping new features that that are being used by by the salons every day and 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 for for the hr team it's about new people joining the company every month and 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 training them and seeing them grow in the company right so there's basically every department i think sees the impact very quickly that they can have. Mm -hmm. And then I think that keeps people going also.
1: You talked about company values. What are the company
0: values? (laughs) There's, Uh, I think, eight in total on on, on the web page. I mean, there's there's one, funnily, there's one that seems to be sticking with everybody because it's the one that after every interview, uh, people say, oh, I saw this on the website and I liked it. And that one is, we say it's an asshole-free environment. Um, nice. <laughs> so it's a very easy one, right? It seems obvious, but then still, I, f- I mean, I guess it's it's not the case uh, everywhere. And we really try to be sensitive and aware of the people that work at the company. And it's not just about the hard skills and the work that you do, mm-hmm. but it's also about how you work together with your colleagues, uh the soft skills how you treat them how you yeah how how you interact with the whole company and everybody should be aware that we don't tolerate just high performing people if they are assholes in a sense and that's a bit how that one uh, uh, came or yeah came came to life and I think it it's like sometimes we have new joiners after sometimes they say yeah it's 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 weird but so cool that somehow all the people in the company they feel like it feels like they are it's different people but somehow they still fit together very well. And to be honest, I'm not hundred percent sure where that feeling exactly comes from or what it is, but it seems like those people attract other people again and, and then the values also attract right people that they really enjoy working together.
1: How much does these company values
0: fit in with your
1: personal values
0: or i mean they they have to be aligned of course right if i mean we cannot and there's also an important thing we don't say okay we have some values written down somewhere for marketing purposes and then when you join the company you, you realize that they're not lived by because then they they don't have any purpose right mm-hmm. so it's something that we as the founders all very clearly said okay this is something everybody Believes in, lives, and, and that we want the company to to strive and, and, and aim for, and aim everybody at the company to strive for those. So those are very aligned. I think otherwise it wouldn't make sense to to have them.
1: So essentially, you created a company that you wanted to work with.
0: In yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think uh, we we try to to be our best selves, and we try to to be then maybe the the boss in the sense that you would want to have for yourself.
1: Yeah, I love that. Okay before before I go to this one one question that I'm really intrigued by uh I just want I just wonder how's your work life balance <laughs> because it is something again like a lot of people underestimate the the kind of work that that comes into mind
0: as as in the in this journey I mean it's how do I say it I think work life balance often it sounds like okay like work would be the n- more negative thing and you balance it maybe with the rest of your life, which is then a positive thing and you have to find a balance.
1: Nicely I explained. I,
0: I don't really think about it that way um, because I, I really enjoy what I do. I love what I do. So mm. it's also, the, there's, uh, I would just say, there's no real border. And say so this is work and this is life because a, lot, a big part of my life is, is the work uh, because... Uh, yeah, we work a lot on, on com- company. If you if you go into hours, it's certainly more than eight hours a day. Might be uh, a 12 one day, might be 14 another day, might be 10 another day, right? But it's certainly not a, a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel um, like I'd be working too much or that I don't have enough balance with the rest of my life or something because it is just such a big part of my life that I really just enjoy doing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just, okay, I work, I like it. And I go out with friends and I like it. And and of course, I mean, it's not, not all of life is about work, but a very, very big portion of my life. Work takes a, a very big part uh, in, in that, right? And then of course, like at work, you also have friends. I get I get along really well with the team. So it's not also just like saying, okay, I have to wait until five and then I can leave. And then my real life sort of starts, right? Um, this very, yeah the the borders are very fluid i would say
1: mhm do you do you have anything that's like um i think like for me personally as i am on 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 a like a slightly different but similar journey in regards to entrepreneurship i feel like i need to have some like time where i get to do the things just for me where i'm not interacting with anyone else where i'm just like taking care of me some like people have their care days do you have anything like that, where you take refuge in... It's not a refuge because you like and you love what you do, but it's sort of a way to recharge to get
0: even more done or more like more fulfilled, in in a sense. I mean, I'd say nothing fixed in my schedule where I say I do that once a week or an evening or whatever. Um, I think, I mean, one... <laughs> I have maybe it's would it's good or bad. Yeah, it's not for me to say, but that maybe bad uh, habit of working late in the evenings. uh, I'm uh, like that uh, too. Don't worry. (laughs) Quite regularly. And I think one, one thing that I enjoy about it is you're sort of in your bubble or tunnel and it's quiet. There's no phone ringing, no emails coming in, nothing, right? And you basically get stuff done. And sometimes maybe even I'm then not working but doing other stuff, but then it's sort of a yeah, a, a quiet moment in the sense that it's just you and, and you can basically do whatever, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But I'm not like saying, okay, I, I need to go on trips or holidays to recharge my batteries. To be honest, sometimes, I mean, I'd say, yeah, you need some holiday and some break, that helps. But I don't feel like, oh when is the next holiday I, I, I need to recharge my batteries? Uh, not really. Sometimes holiday, I, I must admit, even stress me a bit more than, than, than they would tell me recharge because then I know, okay, during that time, I will get less done and I still have like, the world outside keeps going. So I'll, I'll have more emails to answer or more stuff to do when I'm back or I try to read before I leave. So definitely, I, I would say the period before and after the holiday are more stressful. And then of course, in, in, in the holiday, you try to, relax a bit but then still so, like uh, yeah it's there's no clean cut i would say
1: how how do you deal with that because i have the similar problem like when i don't get my stuff done i'm like i'm stressing out because i want to get it done and like obviously there's something in between that is hindering me from doing it i'm supposed to do something else have you figured something out and i'm basically just asking selfishly so that i i
0: can True. get get it done as well and and understand, and manage it as well I, I think it's a lot about just then prioritizing, seeing what's really the most important one. Not what, not what is the most easy one to get done, but what's the most important one to get done. If it's really small things, I tend to try and do it right away, so mm-hmm. I don't forget about it. Like if it takes me a minute to do it uh, and it's an email I need to send, I just send it, then it's off the list. If it's multiple big things, I try to really prioritize and see what's really having the biggest impact. And then I try to do that first. Yeah. But I think there's always, I like, there's no evening where it goes, I, I go to bed and I feel like there's nothing on my list, everything is done, right? That basically never happens. Yeah, I get it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if, if I say to you, well, if I say, I wish I had known that before I started, what is the first thing that pops into your mind?
0: I think it might not be the the answer you're looking for, but I think it's good that I didn't know a lot when I started. In in From what I know today, I mean, there's certainly things that say, okay, uh, you could have maybe avoided one misstep here or there. But when I look back and, and I sort of smile at how naively we were all as the five co-founders when we started our journey and how we thought how how easy it might be or, or how somehow it will just magically work out. I think that naive way of thinking was just one of the main reasons to just get started. Because if you would have known from the beginning everything that comes and follows with the choice that you take and, and the challenges that come with it, maybe you would just have said, hey, should I really go that way or just uh, take another easier way? Mm-hmm. Whereas today, of course, I would, I would never go back and I, and I love what I do and I did the choice. But... Um, at that moment in time, it wasn't it wasn't clear, and you just say, "Okay, let's try, let's let's figure it out, and and, and let's just get started."
1: Do um, Do you still have this naivete uh, kind of mindset? Because it's, as you said before, it's much more predictable right now.
0: I I guess maybe in in three years when I look back again, I think, wow, (laughs) all the stuff I didn't know three years ago and how naive, naive I was. I think at that moment you don't realize it. Because also at that moment when we started, we didn't realize. We thought that we still know what we're doing somehow, although we say there's a lot we don't know. We sort of had that feeling like, yeah, I mean... We we are so smart to figure it out somehow, right? And you you feel confident because if you don't feel some confident, uh, you have some confidence in what you do. I guess you don't get started, and you look for something that might be I don't know maybe bit less risky or keep keeping your one in the comfort zone. Whereas here you sort of have to be willing to get out of the comfort zone. And you think that you will just make it work, even if you have no idea. Mm-hmm. And then when you look back, you you actually yeah, you, you actually had no idea, but you somehow uh, <laughs> you somehow learned it uh, along the way. And I think that open mindset uh, really helps. I feel like uh, you've mentioned this word a few
1: times, and I think it's something to point out because um, it's some, it's probably the most important part of of your journey. Uh, at least that's from my perspective. Of looking at it, and it's belief.
0: Yeah, I mean. The thing is, you don't, you don't know where you will end up with. You know where you want to get, and, and you try and, and get there, and sort of you make everything aligned like to get there. But then it is still very unpredictable, and, and it gets a bit more predictable the bigger you get. Today, okay, we know how many sales we have on the field, how many contracts can they sign in a month. How many will that be in a year? Uh, what will be the revenue? What will be the cost right? So you can financially at least predict your, your situation way better, um, because you have some, some data to look back on. Whereas when you start, you just don't know, Will anybody be willing to pay for it? Will, is there a market for it? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and those are things you don't know, and I think the earlier you, you try and, and find out the answers, the better it is to find the right direction, because it's a typical thing that they always say in, in the startup sort of word is that, that product market fit where you try and, and get that fit because if you just develop something two years in the garage and you find out nobody really needs it or wants it, then you lost two years just building something nobody really needs, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think you have to believe uh, in, in the mission and in what you do and then uh, to the rest, you'll, you'll adjust along the
1: way. Mm-hmm. How, how did, because um, uh, you, you've, you've started in 2019.
0: Yes, I'm, we started before, I, 2019 is when we raised our uh, seed round. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was uh, 1 million euros to expand that internationally. By that, we already have around uh, 80 customers in Luxembourg using it. Mm-hmm. But we started, I think the first paying customer was sometime in 2017. But that was really early days, right? It was very uh, rudimentary system. It worked, it was just an agenda and, and a platform to book online. And then since we were sort of really in that bootstrap mindset, uh, selling websites aside, right, it was not moving as fast as it could because you just had to try and, and keep it afloat, small team, right? And then as soon as we raised our seed round, then things really started to accelerate. I mean, that, was, that day, basically everybody came full-time from the founders, other people joined the company, we opened offices uh, office in, uh, abroad, and, and then really things started to accelerate.
1: Mm-hmm. So the reason why I asked is because there is one year where the the world en- ended up being still, and how how did that affect Salonkey?
0: Yeah, I mean that's something we didn't see coming, of course, right? Exactly. Um, and I mean, for us as a company itself, I would say we're quite digital and and young people, so right. Uh, working from home for us by itself wasn't a big problem. Everybody has a laptop and and knew how to get stuff done. The problem was. And more for us, the challenge is that our customers were highly impacted by it, meaning that salons had to close for months. In Luxembourg, I think it was just two or three months It was the longest lockdown. Uh, in other countries, it was like five months. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you're like, okay, like if they are closed and you sell basically a tool to them, which is much more today than online booking, right? It's a whole tool to manage their business. It's about accounting, managing employees. It's about the payments, in-store payments, online payments reports uh, crm functions right? it's a whole basically what we sell to someone today is a whole system to manage their business and then you're like okay if their business is closed like what's our tool actually worth and do they keep paying for it if they don't use it and can we sort of help them even in a lockdown with some digital tools to to sort of say afloat? float and we just try to to adjust to it as quickly as we could I i know still quite vividly that like was maybe a week after lockdown okay what are we going to do and like what if we can sort of help salons sell vouchers online to get some revenue right i think that was something that you heard it from other maybe shops or, or storages okay you can support the local businesses that was i think during the first lockdown is very prominent thing like support your local business mm-hmm. buy something here order something there right and then it's okay hey let's just as quickly as you can code together or sort of what's more like hack together one solution <laughs> where you can buy a voucher online at the headrest so that you can use after the reopening. Because there's no use when they're closed, of course, but you help them in sort of giving them, them like, it's like a small credit, right? You give them the money now and they give you the service later. Mm-hmm. And that's a bit how we started. We said, okay, let's build that. And then what else could we build? Like, okay, like, we had on our roadmap some plans to to build a newsletter tool and keeping in touch with customers or communicating. And we just reprioritized the whole list. Said, okay, this is something they could use now. Because then we started salons asking us, hey, actually, I'm selling products uh, or shampoo, uh, even in lockdowns, but how can I reach out for my customers, right? I have them. I have the email, but I don't really have a tool. They do not know what MailChimp is, or how to use that or whatever. So, okay, hey, let's build them a, a newsletter tool where they just can tell to their customers, do you need anything in your maybe one month or two months lockdown, you cannot buy the shampoo that you used to buy at your hairdresser. And then we build up that and sort of we try to to add value even during, during a lockdown. And then that turned out to work. And then of course, the online booking part for the reopening was massively helpful. I mean, I know it and it happened the same in every country. The moment the government announced that uh, hairdressers would open. Is the moment uh, I was sweating that our service would <laughs> crash because it seems like everybody was just waiting to get their haircut done somehow, and uh, I guess nobody felt uh, a hairdresser that important. And then somehow, after three months of not getting your haircut, everybody just wanted to go there, right? And then all the salons that then were working was. Online bookings, of course, they had their agendas filled for the next week or two when, just when they opened the salon. And I think that really proved them then very helpful to get through that period.
1: I guess you managed really well to add value throughout current, like...
0: I mean, the value was certainly lower than when they are open. And then, of course, reopening was a very high value uh, impact for them. But then, of course, during the, if you are like locked lockdown for four or five months, it was, I think, very tough still for them. And then... You try to support them as much as you can but it was certainly something that sort of uh, yeah it, 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 it was a tough situation for them and for us still if I look back I think uh, not having it would have been much easier right
1: mm-hmm. yeah I, I understand I have one last question which I just try to, to not understand but really try to reflect on who you are based on whatever but based on everything that you said and I kind of have an idea of who you are right now okay we had a conversation before the podcast we have a conversation now and um I kind of have this idea already but I'm I'm wondering how do you define yourself who is Tom for you
0: mm-hmm. I'd say I I mean, I don't know, it's a hard, hard question. I'd say I I like to to build something. Um, I like to operate in an sort of open environment where stuff is to be figured out and we're not just operating in a small box doing the same thing every day. Um, I like it when there's new challenges to be solved. Um, to be passionate about the things. I think I'm really, I really enjoy what I do. I'm really passionate uh, about it and about bringing new people to the company, uh, providing also then an, a work environment that they like to to come and work for, inspire them, and, and build something together. So that's what's something I, I really enjoy uh, professionally, uh, privately. I don't know. I I like to to hang out with my friends and enjoy time with them. Enjoy time with my girlfriend. Um. I'd say I'm not maybe the, the most, how would I say, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, I like, uh, I like time with, with my friends and then the time at work and having a purpose and then working for something big. yeah It's amazing. It's, I'm not sure if you would describe me this the same way. I mean, happy, happy
1: to That's, her. that's, that's somehow, yeah. Somehow. Yeah, it's it would be. I I uh, I feel like you. In some way, you're an example, and in some way, you are like just a normal, normal guy, you know. But with the fact that you're passionate about creating and and building and and solving issues and providing for, for a company. I mean, you know, like we have all these ideas that entrepreneurs are pedal stool or CEOs on the pedal stool or influencers are on the pedal stool and creators on the pedal stool we are all normal yeah and that's that's that was the purpose of this question that was Mm -hmm. the purpose to basically like hey anyone like if you really if that fits within your skills and and you want to do it you have a a caution to 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 go on and still you remain the same person that's Uh, really what I wanted to do yeah
0: I mean I fully agree and and you always, as you say, you might think of people in on a pedestal and far away and they're not reachable for you. But at the end, uh, then when you have a chance to maybe talk to a person that you thought was on a pedestal or whatever, you just realize it's also just a regular person and everybody uh, tries to figure stuff out and, and know, don't always maybe know the answers to everything. Um, and yeah, I think it's just about starting something doing something following it uh, believing then a bit as you, as you said also like believing in what you what, what you do and the rest you'll figure it out but everybody's like there's no superhuman uh i don't know uh trait that you can have and that makes you different from the rest right i love that
1: answer and usually like this just the way you answered it you know like this would be the per- perfect segment to to end the podcast and 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 finish it off but i still have three fast questions for you okay so the first question is what is the worst advice that you have ever been given
0: i mean one thing i'm not probably not the worst but one thing i sort of figured out along the way is that in the early days of a startup i mean you, you have two things you have some people that might discourage you not doing it because as they say why don't you get a job know, at the government or whatever? It's mm-hmm. a safer place, right? There's, I mean, there's that kind of, of, or those kind of people that maybe try and discourage you uh, in, in doing it because maybe they generally believe that it's better for you to not do it because it might be too difficult. I think that's some advice that you might want to ignore then, right? Because then, otherwise, you would never get started and and, and then just take something that you might not be passionate about and then regret it much later on where it might also then be tougher to to change directions.
1: Mm.
0: And then, I mean, concretely also what I, I, I realized over time on the business side is like, you have some, whatever it will, business coaches or other people that might have some experience in some part or maybe not exactly in your industry that generally want and try and give you advice. But it doesn't mean that that advice is correct. It can be, but it can also not be because like every every sort of, industry is different, every, every company is different and there's no magic solution that I've done it now uh, for one industry and you can apply the same thing for another industry, right? So even there, I think, and without now going into details, this advice that I, I we got that we said, this is how we should do it and it's like, okay, is this really the way? And we don't know. And today, when I look back at it, it was exactly not what we should have done because mm-hmm. it would not have worked for, for various reasons. So I think it's... Good to strive for advice and feedback, especially. But at the end, that doesn't mean that that is just by default the right answer, because you get it from somewhere else. And even if he acts as if he would know, it doesn't really mean that it is the right answer necessarily.
1: Mm -hmm. Next question is: You might have guessed it. What is the best advice that you've
0: ever been given? It's good questions. I've never. uh, That's good. You got to think. About them, yeah.
1: It's a reflection time.
0: Not sure if it, this is what I would classify as the best advice, but I think something that definitely uh, pushed me and, and the team and the founders and, and the whole company in a positive way is that you should not try to not be ambitious and just try and be ambitious because if you don't even strive for something big, then you most certainly don't end up there, right? If you just think small all the time, you probably end up at a place that is something small. If you think quite ambitiously about things, maybe you don't reach the ambition you thought of and maybe it's it seems a bit scary and, and far and unreachable and, and not tangible. But I think it helps you get your mindset in thinking about what really needs to happen if I would want to get there and prioritize on those things and not get lost in the details and i mean you had a couple persons along the way that that pushed us to be extremely ambitious much more ambitious than we initially thought uh what salonki could become mm-hmm. and i think that just helped you yeah jump again out of the comfort zone of say okay this is my comfort zone on how how big it can be. But actually, if you think bigger, it can also be bigger. And you just have to be willing to, to embrace that and, and say, okay, let, let's, let's be more ambitious. And then also, you probably end up at a place that, that, that is better or, yeah, bigger than you might, you might have thought at least.
1: I love that. And the last question is for the aspiring creative entrepreneurs, our audience, what
0: is the advice that you would like to leave them with? I would say just, I mean, first of all, just get started. If you're something you're really passionate about, get started. Try and find something that, that really, or like, yeah, follow your passion and find something that you're passionate about. Because at the end, working for 40 years for something that you don't really like, um, then you might ask a real question about work-life balance because you don't really like what you do at work, and you try to compensate it with your free time in life, but if you find something that you're really passionate about, I think it will just make your whole life just so much more enjoyable because you like to get up in the morning, you don't wait for the next weekend because you just like also your day during the week, you, you, you feel like or you can have an impact uh, and then you, you follow your passion basically not just in the free time but also at work. So I would really say try and, and find your passion, first of all, because... Mostly, and also for me, the beginning, you don't know what is actually your passion. What do you actually like? You don't really know, so try different things, see see if you find something you are passionate about, and when you have that, follow that passion uh, and try. Of course, not maybe every passion is as easy to sort of turn that into to a job, but somehow I would say just try and, and don't be afraid of of following it. I mean,
1: I love that. I mean, I live by the same mentality, so I completely agree with that, but. um yeah on that note tom thank you so much for having taking your time i think i know that it is very valuable and i know that we can do a lot of things in an hour or two so i appreciate you very much for for coming and love this conversation thank you very much thank you very
0: much for for having me I'm, i mean, really happy to support uh, those kind of discussions podcasts in luxembourg um and yeah um, hopefully motivating more people to to follow so what what you've done and and, and and follow the path
1: thank you